Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Lund. Welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. Today we have Jackson Laundry and guest host Leslie Smith. Guys, hooray! So, where are you guys at? Right? Like, where Where are you guys located right now? Just to give people listening an idea. Um, we are located in Eagle Point, Utah, which but is is Eagle Point the town. Yeah, it's like a kind of it's not a town. I don't know. Eagle Point Beaver, Beaver, Utah is like the town, but we're like up higher than Beaver by quite a bit. So the Beaver, Utah area. Yes. Nice. So you guys are obviously there. Um right now as we're recording this. Area. Yeah. So as we're recording this, you guys are 10 days out from St. George 70.3 world champs. Uh doing yes, altitude, altitude camps. So uh, what is the plan with that? Well, the plan is you drain it out the tube for a bit, and then your body's like, I need to make more red blood cells because there's no oxygen up here. And then and it does that, and then you go down to where the race is, and you have extra red blood cells, and that helps you to perform better in theory. I was literally about to say in theory. <laughs> yes, yeah. because there's also a lot of downsides. Like you can't push yourself nearly as hard when you're at altitude. So you're not hitting those same numbers and, you know, Watts on the bike or pace on the run or in the swim. And so you're kind of detraining yourself in a sense, but if you do it right, you can kind of go down a bit lower to do your training, which is what we've been able to do for most of it for the hard stuff, at least. So, um, should work out in theory. I mean, I've done a couple out two camps this year. I've always felt really good and raced well after them. Um, I haven't necessarily raced like noticeably better than when I've come off of sea level. So it's hard to say, um, but I definitely feel a little bit stronger, whether that's, you know, placebo or what's going on. I don't know, but this is also a little bit longer. I'm going to be up here for about, I think 15 days or so. And the other ones were like 11 days. So it might make a bit of a difference there. And we're up higher. We're at like 2,950 meters. Um, and the other ones that was more like 1800 to 2,200 meters or something. Do, do we need to translate that into feet? 9,600 feet is where we are now. And the other ones I was in a six to 7,500 feet range, six, 6,000 to 7,500. And I, and I should add, as Jackson said, uh, that's, we're staying that high, but a lot of the training I've been here just a few days, but a lot, most of the training or anything hard has been at around 6,000 feet. Yeah, roughly 6,000. Between five and 6,000 and then doing some easier stuff up here. And then there's also a big climb. Like if you descend from where we are, you just descend down into Beaver and then you can climb back up. So that's, you go lower and then end up where we are. So it's pretty awesome. And Leslie lives at altitude. In- well, yeah. Not quite older. Not 90, 9,000 9, feet, but I live at 50, whatever it is, 52, 5,300 feet. Um, and, and I've always said what Jackson said about, you know, I, I do think there are some trade-offs. Um, whenever I spent time at sea level, I do feel like I recover better. I feel like I can push a little harder, do a little more. Um, but also, you know, Boulder's not super high, so it's pretty good happy medium. Yeah, Boulder is... I wouldn't want to live... 
call that like a moderate altitude. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't want to live at 9,600 feet all the time, I don't think. No. Um, but it can be – it's kind of like you get that boost from it, and then if you can maintain the like those higher outputs that you got from training at sea level, that's how I look at it anyways, then it can be beneficial. But um, then they – apparently this is you know my coach telling me this actually i think this is craig taylor that mentioned this that there's acute benefits for altitude that you get after like a couple weeks or less and then there's also benefits that you get for either repeated trips to altitude or living at altitude um accrues like long-term benefits apparently Hmm. so yeah i don't know exactly the science behind that but that's just the fact that i'm gonna spout out nice yep sounds sounds about right to me well, that's pretty exciting. I mean, I'm sit here, sitting here with uh, crutches by my side and getting around on one foot. People aren't here for us. People are here to hear about the course for 70.3 Worlds coming up. So, Jack, I know you're very familiar. You have a intimate knowledge of the course. Leslie, you have raced this race in 2017. Um, yep. I probably won't be too much of service in this podcast because I've been to St. George once, never did the race. Uh, but I know snow Canyon. So yeah, let's, uh, yeah, let's kind of jump into this. Um, obviously the swim reservoir, Jack, you've done this race so many times when you hear about the swim in St. George, what comes to mind? Well, typically the race that I've done is in like early May and the water's really cold but uh cold and wetsuit and pretty fast because it's usually not very choppy early in the morning it's really fast conditions however this is now in september and the water's going to be very warm if anything even for age groupers could likely be a non-wetsuit swim that being said still probably pretty calm waters pretty fast conditions it's not like it's in an ocean with big swells or anything so yeah um pretty fast swim i would say overall not like any current just normal uh fast course um anything else yeah it's at three thousand uh the reservoirs at about three thousand feet or a little more so isn't uh, something like that yeah um just under meters so looking at the swim course it's just your typical triangle um you are going clockwise around it and i think you probably have a good 865 meters to the first turn buoy for the age groups is it a wave start or are they going to be um, like, are you going to go off with your age group? Do you know? Uh, good question. Usually at a world championships, I believe they try to send you off with your age group, but um, it also is they're sending everyone off on the same day. So men and women, they're not doing the two separate days for worlds like they normally do. So that's kind of different. Um, but they're, for that reason, they might be just spacing people out as much as they can and kind of going off by your predicted time. Okay. That being said, check your race guide because I don't get the age group or race information. If I do, I probably just delete it, to be honest, because um, it's too much information going into my head. All right. And being in the res, is it usually choppy? Is it flat? What What do we have to expect there? Pretty flat, but there has been a year I yeah. heard that was really windy and it got choppy. Um, was that the year? Yeah, you did? I, I have heard that it can get choppy. I would say typically that's not the case because just like in general, the wind usually picks up 
later in the afternoon. I think most places, I know at least in Colorado, it's like that. I feel like from when I've been in Utah, that's the case. So I would say 75% chance, maybe just kind of pulling that one. Yeah. It's probably pretty likely that it'll be calm. It's not usually, I've been in St. George fair bit and the number of mornings I've woken up and it's been windy has been like really low. Um, And Nick lives there and he says that it's only windy when he has to ride in that direction and then it's windy (laughs) for the headwind. So, so what, what do they have to expect when they exit the swim and heading into transition? So there, the exit is typically on the like boat launch ramp. It's pretty big. It's wide. It's carpeted, usually pretty safe. Um, not too, too steep and then decent long run, but it's in a big parking lot. So there's lots of space. They probably have the bikes spaced out pretty nicely and not too jammed together. Uh, but it is running on asphalt, which whatever, I mean, uh, might be worth considering. Um, but yeah, not really a super long transition, just no. kind of a standard transition. Um, and then you don't have to worry about like, you know, where do you bike in and then run, bike back out or whatever, bike back in and then run out because it's just a, just a two transition race. So you're just coming in the one side, going out the other side, and then you're on the bike course. All right. And so people listening to this, this is going to be pre-race like one week out from the race what session would you recommend someone does to get ready for this swim at world's week going into the race and then what's a session that you're going to lean on yeah so do you want to take that one or should i take it leslie i can take it i would say as you get closer to a race just keep in and i would say this for any race keep in some high intensity just to keep the muscles firing and do some things at race pace. And then it's just the closer you get to the race, dial down the volume more and make the easier stuff super easy. And I would kind of say that for any race. And I would say for this one, for sure, because again, it's a pretty standard open water triathlon swim race. So um, I would just say in general, between now and the race, still, you know, time for a couple bigger swims, maybe do some race pace, like longer intervals. And then as you get closer to the race, keeps intensity in there, but just make the interval shorter, the overall swim shorter. And then I would say this for bike and run as well. Make, be sure the easy stuff stays easy. Yeah, for sure. Nothing special about this swim course, just prepare for a normal swim. I'd say. Any session in particular, what are you going to lean into? Is there a specific session you like to do before the race? The week? Um, the race? I, I pretty much always have my couple go-tos, but like the kind of last swim workout I'll do is usually like a 50 hard, um, kind of on like a, a quick pace time. So like 50 kind of opening speed. And then uh, it's usually a 200 uh, at like race pace and like not too hard, just kind of tempo. And I think everyone can work on that, like opening speed a little bit. Um, for me, it'll be like a 50 on 40 seconds or 35 seconds even. And then a 200 on 240 where I might swim like 230-ish or something uh, for meters. But um, obviously everyone's going to have different times. But going, getting used to going out hard and then being able to settle in without having your heart rate too high and without kind of like panicking or, or losing form. So that's kind of the session. I'll do like anywhere from two to four four rounds of that depending how far out from the race usually between like three to five days out from the race nice so let's move on to the big one 
that uh, takes up the biggest portion of the race. So the bike course, you hop on your bike, you're heading out of transition. What are you going to see? Do you remember, Leslie? I do. I, if I remember correctly, you're on a flat for a little bit and then you shortly thereafter have a climb. Yeah. So it's actually downhill just for a few seconds out of the transition, then a little flat, then like an up, a smallish uphill that's maybe a minute. And then you have a couple minutes of flat and then there's like a big climb. Um, so yeah, the first general couple K is not really hit like too much uphill. And then it's like a big climb. That's probably a good, you know, depending on your speed, obviously anywhere from like a three to a six minute climb probably. Um, and so obviously depending on what kind of race you're doing, if you're uh, in an age group and you're kind of focusing on your own pacing, you're not really trying to, stay with other uh cyclists then kind of keeping it controlled and not going too hard on that hill but in the pro field we're kind of crushing that hill trying to get into that group um so a little bit different tactics there but yeah that hill that first hill is pretty tough and obviously you want to be able to to kind of get up it pretty well without just crushing your legs because there's a lot more hills to come after that. right and and i'm going to chime in too because think one thing I've always heard and then always done and it seems to to make sense to me is when you have hills like you do on this course or like that one he was just talking about is you know trying to stay seated for the most part I don't know if you agree but I think if you're you know it's fine to stand to get you know just get a change in position for a bit or pop yourself you know over a hill but I think if you stand a ton or just too much on and are climbing hard at the same time I think that really affects the running legs yeah, I agree. I've actually at Ecuador, um, our dear friend Flacca ran into some issues when she just spent too much time climbing um, in a standing position. And a lot of people have that same issue and then legs cramped up later in the bike. So if you, if you like to stand when you're climbing, definitely try to keep that to a little bit of a, a lesser extent until kind of later, because there's just too many hills to be able to do that all the time on this course. Yeah. Yeah, so you said you hit that first big climb at, I don't know, what'd you say, mile mile three, mile five, or something like that? Yeah, something around there. Yeah. Yeah, and then you, you hit some good rollers. You're going through the rollers. And then at mile 42, it looks like, yeah, you come into what's that snow canyon yeah you hit, come into snow canyon and then you start snow canyon climb which is like the big climb on the course obviously that's the one that everyone talks about uh what is your plan going into that as a pro how is that going to affect the field and then what would you recommend for the age groupers once they hit that yeah um so yeah i guess i mean just touching quickly on like the kind of middle part of the course i wouldn't call them rollers like when you're riding it, it seems like quite a, like a relatively small ish number of like pretty big Hills is how I would kind of describe it. Like there's probably half a dozen or so that are like, you know, two, three minute climbs kind of thing. Um, maybe even up to four. And then, so like each one feels like you're kind of actually getting somewhere on the course. Cause there's, it's not like there's 20, you know, big Hills, there's just like five, six, seven kind of thing. But then, yeah, snow Canyon is kind of the main thing. And the interesting thing is, before snow canyon there's like a pretty decent space where it's like relatively flat for quite a few minutes and then yeah snow canyon is a tough climb for sure um 
for me, it's, you got to go pretty hard and stay with the group and kind of actually move up near the front of the group if you can and pass some people because going over the top of snow Canyon is where the gaps open up. Um, because you just, you know, if you're, if you're spaced legally 12 meters behind the person in front of you and you go up over a hill as it, as it gets flat, they're getting to the flat part first and they're actually taking off. And that creates an accordion effect with the whole group. So the person at the front is already like starting the descent and the person at the back is still going up the hill and they have no chance pretty much to make the group. Um, that's a great point. So that's kind of how I, that's where I made a bit of a mistake in the last St. George um, where I was pretty close to the front of the group in the top five or six, but I still missed that very front because they just really took off over the top. So for me, that's what I'm going to work on. But for age groupers. And I'm just going to add to what Jackson said. I think that it's sometimes as much as I said, don't stand up and go too hard the whole time. I also think with a hilly course, you know, this sounds like really simple, but what goes up must come down. And I think that with Snow Canyon, for example, just know that once you make it up that with, a, of course, without going too hard, still got to run. Um, is, is, you know, power up that and know that, I don't know, and tell me if I'm wrong, Jackson, but I'm pretty sure the rest of the course is net downhill big time. It is, yeah. There's, it's a, into transition. Yeah, it's mostly down after that. It's flat for a couple minutes, then you go down, and then there's like one or two little ups, but you kind of maintain your momentum, and it's just a long descent into town where it is T2. Um, so for sure, you can definitely burn it a little bit up that hill knowing you have some time to kind of recover that being said it's not such a steep descent like you're still pedaling um so i would say you want to leave something to be able to actually take advantage rather than just being totally cooked and kind of coast in and lose time on the descent because people who have energy left are going to make good time on that descent for sure it's not super technical um i wouldn't worry too too much about descending in terms of like having sharp corners to deal with though there is a little bit of technical um, as you come into transition, there's a couple of sharp turns in the last maybe 500 meters kind of thing. Um, but other than that, it's, it's pretty much wide open the whole descent. And, and I think too, this is a good course. I mean, I would say almost every course, but this is an extra good course to try to drive it or at least drive parts of it before the race, if you can. Um, or, you know, if you're out there early to do one of your last long ride or, you know, I'm part of the course because I just think mentally, especially when we're talking about kind of a hilly course, just kind of having a visual in your head is mentally makes the day better. Yeah, for sure. And uh, what is the road condition or what are the road conditions like? Pretty good, right? From, from what yeah. I remember. So they've actually changed the course slightly since last they did it in 2017. Just the beginning part, they've repaved completely. It's a brand new highway. It's like very, very smooth for the first, probably the first 20 K at least is quite smooth. And then it's still really smooth for the most part, the whole course, there's one section that's one or two sections on just some of these brief uh, turns that you take. Um, there's one spot where I lost a bottle in May when I did the race, you kind of take a left and then you're about to go down a descent and, and there's like some rough road and there's like a, a manhole that's um that wasn't marked and i just um, hit it and my bottle flew off which is no big deal but um that's probably at around right around the halfway point of the course there's just a little rough section but it's nothing to really worry about like it's not it's not you know gonna likely give you a flat or anything it's overall pretty smooth 
Oh, and then it gets a little bit rough again when you're coming into town and transition. Oh yeah. Uh, but at that point, you're kind of just slowing down and, and getting ready to get off the bike. Oh yeah. A workout we would do. That's what you want, right, Derek? You want yeah, let me, what what workout see. what workout do you do for the race? And then what would you recommend or someone focus on? Ooh. I'd say doing, you know, try to get on hills or if you're on a trainer, maybe a little low cadence work with your kind of some of your final harder sessions with intervals. Yeah. Yeah, definitely work the hills and um locates for sure like we did we have a really long climb here like leslie mentioned it's like probably an hour and a half climb or something um so we just did like a standard workout of you know eight minutes at like just above race pace four minutes recovery and we did that all uphill so that's kind of working on the hills but obviously most people don't live in an area where you can just climb and climb and climb um so i would definitely like work with what you got like when i was in guelph i would before a hilly race i would always go out and do like three reps of all the hardest hills in the area and uh definitely just get your confidence up on the hills and kind of going a little bit above race pace but not like crazy hard um because you know obviously you want to push your effort a little bit higher as you're climbing in the race but not like crazy so maybe you know 10 percent or 15 percent above your average power kind of thing um but yeah, maybe like, I don't know, let's say 10 times three minute hills at like a little bit above race pace and then you recover on the descent and then go back up. Something like that would be a pretty good workout for, for this race. You would think to do that race week? Not race week. but Well, like, I mean, if, when you're 10 days out, there's still a couple more, you know, a couple more. Um... Well, we're 10 days out now, but when they're going to listen to it, it's probably like five days out. Okay. So for five days out. Yeah, just, that's true. I mean, yeah. I mean, it still wouldn't hurt if you have some just like race pace pickups or something. I don't know. I just think in the training to kind of focus on hill type simu simulation. Yeah, just um, doing a few pickups up the hills would be good. I mean, realistically, race week, the workouts you do honestly do not matter that right. much. It's just staying <laughs> it's active. Just don't do too much. Yep. Do a little bit of activation, keep your body ready, and mostly just recover. So, but it's it's more for confidence that you want to know that you can push good power in the hills. You want to maybe do a few descents if you can and get used to that speed because you're going to have quite a few sections that are fast. So, just doing that is going to get you hopefully mentally ready for the course. Yeah. And feeling good. And you mentioned coming into T2, there's some set technical sections. Uh, I know, remember watching uh, when it was North American champs, was it Ben Hoffman almost hit Ben Canute making that right-hand turn onto the tabernacle? Yeah. Yeah, it's just or a couple of right-hand turns that are a little bit sharp. And that's all it really is. It's like, I think it's two right-hand turns in the last minute or two of the bike. And just, you know, be aware of that if you don't have a chance to check them out. You can probably check those turns out actually when you're dropping off your gear uh, in the T2 um, the day before the race. So if you can spend the 10 minutes to walk that area and just see what those corners look like, there's nothing crazy, but you're just coming down a steep hill. So you're going to have to break and you're going to have to, you know, slow, slow down quite a bit heading into those. Nice. All right. Well, now you hit T2. You said T2 is probably just another standard transition. You're coming out of T2 and you're just ready to rip. You got, you're just hunting down that guy winning the race. What, what do you, what do you see when you come out of transition? Hill. Yeah. You got about 200 meters of flat 
ish, maybe 300. And then you've got a freaking long climb. Yeah. The same one you just went down on the bike really is what you're going up. So it's a good, it's probably two, two miles of climb, like straight climb. And then yeah, another mile where you kind of go flat a bit, but then up a lot more. So it is a really challenging run course. Um, and they did change it a little bit. So I believe now you're basically doing that really challenging climb and then turning around, coming back down. Then you got a little bit of flat again in town and then you do that climb again and come back down. So, um, I don't know the exact course yet. I haven't seen it because it has changed. I know that the climb is pretty much the same. And then on the descent, we come down a different area where there's, there's one road that is very steep, um, downhill. Um, Nick knows St. George really well. And he mentioned that it's like probably close to 20% downhill for, for, you know, an extended period of time. So that's something that if you haven't done a lot of descending in your runs, um, maybe don't do too much race week, but you want to maybe get used to it a little bit. If you still have like five or six days, uh, do some descending. Yep. And, and, and also maybe again, another spot that's good to look at before the race when you're there. Yeah. Check that out. Cause so you have a visual of it. It's going to be tough. It's going to be, it's got like close to 1300 feet of, of elevation gain on that run course, which is a lot, uh, for, for a 21 kilometer run. So definitely, uh, hopefully you've been working your hills and, uh, it's more of a strength course, really. Like you're not going to have a lot of time to kind of get into a rhythm or a flow on, on like a flat, um, which makes it really tough, but you definitely, you know, the grades tend to be pretty consistent. So I guess you can get into a rhythm for climbing and then a rhythm for descending and, and kind of work it that way. All right. So what is your key session race week on the run? Race week. Oh God. Race. I mean, let's think I would probably do some sort of Monday or Tuesday, some sort of type fartlek type run or brick where there's some race place involved. And then other than that, it would just be easier running with perhaps a few, uh, you know, quick strides at the end, just to keep turnover going. Um, and then, yeah. yeah. And then a super short run the day before the race with some pickup or some strides. And that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess race weeks kind of depends. Cause if you're five or six days out still, let's say five days, you can kind of do a decent run and maybe do some, I would probably do some, like a few, two-ish minute intervals where like it's two minutes uphill and then rest and then two minutes downhill uh if you can to get used to that pounding a little bit because if you're five days out you still have time to get the legs recovered from that just don't push it too hard um but then yeah like leslie said just some short pickups and stuff leading into the last few days is all you can really do um and yeah just really the tough part of this race i think on the run is going to be doing that descent that really steep descent and then having to turn around and climb hard again on the second lap because you've already trashed your legs on the bike and then that that really hard descent on the run is going to be very tough on the quads especially um so that's kind of if you can get through that and still feel strong you're going to be in good shape but and i feel like it's kind of one of those courses where it's it's its own beast so it's kind of fun in a painful way and everyone's in the same boat. So. Yeah, and everyone's in the same boat. And I think that the scenery is epic. Take a look around before the swim starts. So maybe not, don't take too many looks around on the bike. You know, be careful. But you'll probably, <laughs> just because you're out there, you'll happen to notice how beautiful it is. Um, and then the venue in town is really cool for the finish. So yeah. it'll be great. 
It's a good race. If you're if you're in if you qualify for worlds, then you're probably a really strong athlete and you'll be ready for these hills. Yes. Yeah. It's uh it's definitely a beast of a course and it's something that you can say you freaking you did it. <laughs> yep. Nice. Um so they have on the run, they have specific pro aid stations. Is that new for worlds? And what is that for half? Um, they've done that pretty much most years in worlds. It's basically like a special needs kind of table that you have the option for. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, for a race like this, where it could be really hot, which we haven't actually talked about, um, I'm probably just going to put some sport drink there in a bottle that I can actually drink rather than having those little cups where you don't really get much. Um, so that'll probably be what I do, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't know why they only do it for worlds or whatever, but I guess for this course, it'll come in handy, but it's been hot. Garrick was just looking at the weather, um, in the afternoons, it's like a hundred in St. George right now under Fahrenheit, obviously. Um, but I mean, some of the age groups starting a little bit later, it could get up close to that for sure. So, yeah, we'll still have a little more time, but yeah, it's probably going to be at least, at least in the nineties in the afternoon, I would think. Yeah, at the hottest point, I, I have noticed though, just because it's the kind of dry climate, I don't think it's going to be one of those situations where it's like relentless the whole time, like even on the bike. I think it will mostly hit, don't you think? Yeah. It, it will hit the, you know, the peak heat would be more during the run. And I think that just, you know, the great thing about racing in the heat versus training in the heat is racing in the heat, you have aid stations with water you can dump on yourself and ice. So, I would say just utilize that as much as you can. Yeah, for sure that. And then as well, for me, at least, I'm going to be trying to hydrate really well on the bike because it is hard to drink a lot while running. Um, so if you're behind already, that could be a big issue. So I'll be taking an extra bottle on the bike. And then if there's like a convenient part to like grab a bottle and get extra, I might. Um, so yeah, definitely try to set yourself up well hydrated to start that run because if you're in a hole, that could yep. get tough. Yep. Yeah, being in that dry climate, usually the high is like four o'clock. Um, and the sweet spot is usually between six and nine a.m. Uh, to hit that, like the low of the day. So when yeah. you're swimming, it'll be the low. Which is great. Which makes complete yeah. I mean, that water could be warm. Like, it's been so hot there. It, I wouldn't be surprised if the water's, like, well over 80, and it kind of might be nice if it's cool out. But still, yeah, you obviously – I mean, we're starting probably really early, and that's going to be fine for us. But some people are going to start later, and it's going to be hot. What up? Yeah. Wetsuit legal. You think it's wetsuit legal? Forget age already told us. Oh, well, there you have some, what are the temps next? some breaking news. It's, it's wetsuit be, legal for age groupers. It's going to be on the bubble, but they're planning on for sure age group. Wetsuit. It's going to conveniently be wetsuit legal Pros, race day. No way. Magic thermometer. Yeah. Beauty. So um, guest, guest appearance there by Nicholas Chase. Um, oh, sorry, I that yeah, so that's course. That's everything. Um, it's going to be dope. What else do you think, Eric? Are we going to tell people to do? I mean, what sure else? You, where what should they expect when they roll into St. George? Like, It's really um, pretty. 
it's nice. Oh, one thing that we haven't talked about the everything's closed on Sundays. Be ready for that. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't what I was going to say. I was going (laughs) to, I was going to say that, that, uh, you know, anywhere out West at all, the air quality could be not the best. So if you're doing some sessions there, perhaps a few days ahead of time and you're, you know, it's bad air quality and your heart rate feels really high or you feel off, it, it could be partially because of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's been smoky here for sure. St. George as well. And the elevation probably won't be noticeable, but don't be surprised if your kind of power and your pace is just a tad off. If you're really that tuned in, like it might cost you a few watts on the bike to be at three to 4,000 feet. Um, so don't be too surprised if you're, especially towards the end of snow candy, when it gets up to 4,000, you might, you might see the power drop a little bit and that's normal just because there's less oxygen. Nice. Well, but yeah, this podcast, if they don't change the course next year, come back, listen to it again. Next time you're at worlds, which is next year. Cause 2022 it's back in St. George. Uh, That's right. oh, nice. So same time of year, <laughs> hopefully same course. We'll just recycle this podcast. Yeah. Reuse it. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, anyways, in the outro, which is what we're doing now, Garrick, we do want to quickly hear about how your surgery went, what you're up to, how's your hips feeling, are you able to crawl around and get around? So I had surgery maybe about two weeks ago now, almost two weeks to the day, um, and no, is today? Yeah, today's Wednesday, almost it's two weeks Wednesday. today. So 15 days ago, I had surgery. Uh, on my hip to replace a hip or repair hip impingement and my labrum. Uh, I'm getting around now. Uh, I couldn't wait bare for a couple days after it, but I've been pretty good now. I'm just limited on kind of um, the hip abduction and some extension as well right now currently. And that's pretty much it. Can't swim, can't run yet. Uh, I just got the green light to get back on the bike. So that's exciting. Uh, but it's a long process. I got to get the other one done. Hopefully within the next month or so month and a half, um, hopefully beginning of November, maybe late October, get the other one done. So I get back to racing by mid season next season. So we will see. So it's good to have a, at least have a plan moving forward. So that's good to hear. Yeah. You yeah. probably like have to like watch everyone racing and shit and then you're missing out, or do you find it like motivating? Like, yeah, you're gonna get back there. Um I find it incredibly tough. Well, I found it incredibly tough before school started. I think I had like a week there of uh kind of just sitting on the couch. Like there's so much going on. The only thing I was motivated to watch and that got me excited in triathlon was the Collins Cup. So I watched the whole Collins Cup. Uh, but like other than that, I it was, I found it really tough to watch like, um, super league. I never got around to watching super league, which is something I watch like all the time. I'm usually super pumped for it. Uh, none of the, I didn't watch Edmonton WTS. Like it was, uh, kind of tough and like kind of mopey. Um, but once school started, I like was able to start doing stuff, but I did not enjoy it. Um, 
And I think part of it too, is just knowing how long it's going to be until I can get back to it. Like, it's not like, Oh, I like, I think the last injury I had, I pulled my calf and I took a week off and it was like, cool. All right, let's get back to it. Um, obviously, well, I mean, I had those weeks off after every race, which is frustrating, but um, like I'm motivated to get back, but I know I'm not going to be able to run for at least another, well, 12 weeks after my next surgery. So it's a long, long ways to go. Um, but you know what, you'll, as you start adding things back in, you'll start to feel like, Oh, I can swim now. Okay. Now I can progress that. I can work, work on certain things in my swim and you can bike more. Like I just found like when my shoulder was totally screwed for like, couldn't swim for several weeks, it was still kind of motivating. Cause once you do hit that like lowest point, then it's only up from there. Um, so every day you're going to get better and you're going to notice different things that feel better. And, um, yeah. I mean, hey, some, some seasons, you, you know, for other reasons you haven't been able to race for big chunks of time. So now it's an injury and you've freaking come back from other things. So you can come back from this and you will. Yeah. And I think a, a big thing too, is just knowing like you can hit goals and there's no rush to coming back now. Like back in the day it was like, when you're racing ITU, like you got to do certain races cause you're trying to get funding and all this. And now I can like take my time to get back to where it needs to be when I can get to that start line. So there's, there's no rush going through everything. I'm not trying to force anything, anything through. So when I do get back in the water, when I do get back on the bike, like I don't need to be stressed about the Watts or the pace times that time I can just get back and like take my time. And, um, another thing that's motivating is like, yeah, like my run is like a blatant weakness across all three disciplines. Um, and I felt like before, I mean, I did feel like I got to a point where I could be competitive, but I just never put that into play in a race, but looking at my swim and my bikes, I think with the bike, maybe some exceptions just with my hip, there were some limitations there, but like the swim, I was racing to my fitness if not above it and it still wasn't good enough so there's still a lot of work to do there with the bike there's like it still wasn't good enough as well so that i could still spend time there if i can build those two up yeah my run will come back and like i'm pretty sure i'm at the what i put out in terms of racing on the run like that's the worst that's as bad as it's gonna get i'm not gonna run any slower than that um, I've just never put a good run in together in a 70.3. It's just never happened. So I don't, I'm not too concerned about that, I guess. Um, but if I can elevate my game in the swim and the bike to the point where I can still run that run and then maybe start building from there and finally put a good run together, who knows? So you will. trust me, you got to have about 15 runs that feel like what the heck's going on here. Why yeah. am I so slow before you all of a sudden start to put it together yeah because you're a fast yeah. runner you run 112 for a half right yeah like, there's a question that you can do it so just keep it you will yeah it's there you just gotta keep going but yeah so now i can focus on the swim focus on the bike bring that up to where it needs to be i mean the swim i just need to bring it back to where it used to be <laughs> but yeah well your swim's fast so yeah so yeah anyways that's that. I guess there's uh, anything else you guys want to talk about? No, I, I just keep looking at the flies that are flying around in there. 
and that's what I was looking at. It's like distracting me. So I'm listening. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine, Leslie. It's fine. We talked about you. If if you want to leave, you can leave now. It's cool. No. I mean, do you guys want me to leave? No. No, no, no. I don't think there's much else. What else we got? There isn't. I don't think there is much else to talk about. Um, I mean, we how we're talk about predictions. I haven't looked at the start list, so I wouldn't be ready to talk about predictions. Um, I don't know. Gustav's going to win. Or Christian or me or Jackson. I don't think I'm going to win, but I think I'm, I think I literally do think a top five is doable. I'm feeling really good. I mean, obviously if I have a good race and I don't get top five, that's fine. And I don't focus on the finishing position during the race, but feeling really good. Everything's going well. And, you know, just got to execute like I did in May, except a little bit better. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, one, one question I do have for you guys. How are you liking the new bikes? Leslie? Oh, it's, it's awesome. Um, I have the brakes are great. The, um, yeah, I, I mean, everything is great. It feels really smooth. Um, there's just some little tweaks. So yeah, I'll be excited to be on it. I'm not on mine yet. So I don't know. Oh yeah. And I don't I have it, but I just, the logistics of travel and stuff haven't been able to put it together yet. So after 70.3 worlds, I'm going to put that together and then be riding that and then ride it for my last race. Awesome. Um, so that's the Ventum that we're talking about. And then we actually need to make a couple of corrections from last week's episode. Um, you guys said that Super League was only on Zwift, or I think you guys came I to the consensus that, that – I think no, you guys came to the consensus wrong, that no. Super League was, was only – e-racing that's what nick said and i was like no it's not and if you listen it was definitely not in the consensus well super league is not probably ripped it, off. it started um i really wanted to chime in and like put something in there and be like this is not true um but yeah super league it's still a big deal people still follow it i still like to follow it like i said i put off the last one just because I kind of thought I'd get around to watching it when I was in a better mood. Never did. Um, but it was in London. It was super exciting. Go back and watch it. If you have a triathlon live subscription, you can watch that. You can watch all the races and all the ITU or sorry, world triathlon races there. Super exciting. You guys said something else that was wrong, but I cannot remember. I didn't write it down. <laughs> Nick just ripped on draft legal he's like oh nobody watches it and it's shit and it's only e-racing and i didn't say any of that don't don't be lumping me with that <laughs> anyways i like draft legal i still follow it i love it watching it i think it's super exciting whatever the format is i think they should race more olympics olympic distances personally but that's just me um yeah i agree yeah thanks leslie anyways other than that, Garrett, <laughs> what else do we screw up? Nothing. It was fine. I I I should have been there. I apologize. I would have corrected everything. So if you head back to that episode, Jack provided some great insight on what it was like being on the ground. Uh, he gave some great insight on maybe some stuff that could change. And he spills all the beans on what people got paid to show up there, which is super exciting. That is no one's else, no one else is talking about that. I don't even know if he's allowed to talk about that, but it's out there. So 
head back to that. I think we're going to sign out now. Thanks for tuning in, whether you are tuning in pre-race 2021, pre-race 2022. Hopefully this is still pertinent. Guys, until next time, peace. Flying through the sky in my parachute Dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise On a one-man mission trying to see it through